Brother Dale here of Gospel of Repentance Ministries. Hey, remember the theme once again, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you want to reach me by email, you can do so at questions at willyourepent.com. Once again, that's questions at willyourepent.com. It is the summertime, so I guess this is uh, the summer series once again, and I hope you are staying uh, cool and hydrated. You know what they tell us, drink plenty of liquids. It is hot out there. I'm out in Southern California, so I can definitely relate. Hey, what I want to do is talk about a doctrine that is probably, out of all the um, discussions and podcasts I've done up until now, This is probably the most difficult of all, and it's dealing with the doctrine of reprobation, the doctrine of reprobation. And some of you listening right now may be wondering what in the world is that? Well, the root word is reprobate, and in the Greek language, it is the Greek word adokimos, which means to be rejected, to be uh, cast away, to be cast off. That's what... uh, a reprobate is when it talks about in the Bible that uh, that a person has a reprobate mind. It means they have a they have a mind that is that is not good. Is one that God rejects. So the doctrine of reprobation has to be put up against the doctrine of election. And just by way of quick review, the doctrine of election, biblically speaking, is that doctrine whereby God, by an internal decree that he makes by himself has decided to save some sinners in time and space. But the doctrine of election means that they're chosen before the foundation of the world. In other words, God, according to Ephesians chapter one, verse four, chose us, those of us who are Christians, those of us who are believers before the foundation of the world. And that is all the work of God. Now on the um, flip side, On the negative side, the doctrine of reprobation, once again, which means to be rejected, if someone is a reprobate, that means God, in eternity past, decided to pass by certain sinners, allow them to live their lives um, the way they want to live them, and then, of course, he punishes them and executes his justice. See, what's important for us to understand A couple of things that's important for us to understand. Number one is that all of us as human beings are on an even playing field. And what I mean by that is all of us are sinners by nature and all of us deserve. Listen to me very carefully. All of us deserve, no matter how good you may think that you are or how benevolent you are or how philanthropic you are. All of us deserve hell. That means your sweet old grandmother. That means your your loving grandfather. That means your, your dad. That means uh, the missionary, all of us deserve hell. All of us do. I mean, and that is across the board from the beginning of time up until the present time, which is now July the 25th, 2018. All right. All of us deserve hell. All of us are on an even playing field in that regard. Okay. So for God to decide in eternity past to save some is a super gracious, loving a tender, merciful act on his part because we can never earn that which God is, of course, granting to us. All right. So when you understand that you are deserving of hell 
and eternal separation from your creator because of your sins. Not only your sins that you do, but your sins that you think. The things that we speak and the things that we that we think and the things that we do with our bodies, all of that is um, worthy of eternal damnation. All right? So none of us deserve to be saved. So for God to save some is a tremendous loving act. So we should never ask the question, why does God save some and not save all? The question we should be asking, and I've and I've said this before, but it definitely uh, bears repeating, why does God save any of us? Because all of us are not good at heart, at our root. Now, just so that I'm not misunderstood, I understand that we do good things on a human level, all right? On a horizontal level, we can be kind to our neighbor. We can be kind to the poor. Uh, we can be respectful, you know, toward um, law enforcement. Uh, we can do uh, humanitarian things that are um, that are noteworthy, that are kind, that are benevolent. We can do that. We do that all the time. People do that all the time with one another. They have causes that they support, and they're passionate about them, and they're making a difference in this world in, in, in a secular way and that's commendable and we should applaud that and I do that's great but when it comes to pleasing God and doing what's right in his sight those things don't matter alright so I'm saying all that to simply say that we all no matter what we do on a human level we deserve hell only what we do for Christ will last alright so the doctrine, once again, of reprobation is that doctrine or that teaching or that that reality that God has not decided to save some, even though in some sense he does a will or desire that all men be saved. That is what God desires in some sense. In other words, there is a difference between what God desires and what God will actually do. Okay. You follow what I'm saying? And it's important that we understand that because First Timothy chapter 2, I think verses 2 to 4, talks about that God wills that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Well, that is indeed true. But then on the flip side, I mean, someone may be arguing, okay, well, if that is the will of God that all be saved, then why doesn't he save everybody? And that's a tough question. That's a hard question. That is a difficult question to answer. It's a, it's a valid question. And it's one that should be asked, but it's a hard, it's a hard answer. And the best way I can answer that question is this, even though it is God's will that all men be saved, or it is his desire that all men be saved. It apparently is not his ultimate desire is what I believe Now, this is my opinion. You can take it or leave it. And the reason why I say that is because if it was God's absolute will, if it was his will without a doubt that all every single person that ever lives will be saved then that's exactly what would happen God would have chose everyone before the foundation of the world and there would be no need for a hell but God just as God is glorified in saving some he's also desires and will be glorified in punishing others so God cannot display his wrath and his justice on sinners if he decides to save every single solitary human being that will ever live, you follow what I'm saying? So even though there is a place in scripture, I believe it's in Ezekiel chapter 33, where it says that, um, that he wants 
people to return to him and to repent. He says, why should you die, O house of Israel? And of course, he's talking to the Israelites back back there, back then in Ezekiel's day. But by extension, he's talking, I believe, to the whole world. He says, you, sh- you shouldn't have to die. So that is a desire of God. But also at the same time, it's not a contradiction, but it is paradoxical. Even though God desires that man not perish, it is also God's will that uh, he punishes those whom he does not save. You follow what I'm saying? Like I said, I I didn't say it was an easy answer. And I I said it's a difficult doctrine. It's probably the most difficult in all of Scripture because it's from a human perspective. It somehow casts a shadow on God's goodness because we simply look at God as a God of love and a God of love only. And that's simply not true. Ladies and gentlemen, God is also a God of wrath. And like I just mentioned, just as much as it gives glory uh, to God to save sinners, it also gives him glory to punish sinners. And so that is what reprobation is all about. It's about God rejecting those whom he has decided not to save. And understand this, it has nothing to do with what we do. God, before we were born, decided to foreknow some people in a loving way. And what I mean by foreknowledge, and I've mentioned this before as well, but yeah, but I'll repeat it, is that God is not looking through the uh, timeline of history and seeing who's going to receive him and decide to elect him and who is going to reject the gospel message and he decides to condemn them before they're born. That's not how this works. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what he has already decided to do. So God gets the glory for those whom he saves and he gets the glory for those whom he condemns. Okay. So another question that may, that may be right rising up in someone's head right now is that, okay, if God has decided to pass by some sinners and has already determined to save them and they're not going to be saved no matter what, what was the point of them even being born? And once again, we have to go back to Romans chapter nine for God's glory. It was God. I mean, it's God's glory, like I said, to save some and is also God's glory to condemn others. Here's the thing. If God saved every single solitary person, he couldn't manifest his justice. He couldn't manifest his wrath. And God is going to be glorified once again, like I said, in his wrath, whether we like it or not. It is a true doctrine and is one that all of us, especially those who are in the pulpit, should teach it. Um. We shouldn't, in other words, we should not wish that these type of passages are not in the Bible because that, that in and of itself is a sinful thought. And we want, we want to be able to teach the whole counsel of God, those things that make us feel good and those things that make us not feel so good. So here it is. Let me, let me read to you Romans chapter nine, verse 22. It says, what if God willing to show his wrath, listen to that, show his wrath, which, which is a desire of God and something that he has done in the past and will do in the present and will do in the future and to make his power known and do it with much long suffering vessels of wrath fitted unto destruction listen to verse 23 that he might make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy which he afore prepared unto glory even unto us whom he also called not from the Jews only but also from the Gentiles 
And remember um, this verse as I close uh, this uh, discussion. Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. You do well to keep it in your memory bank for life. God told Moses, it says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And Paul borrows that language in this same chapter of uh, uh, Romans 9. As a matter of fact, he says it in verse 15. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that wills, nor of him that runs, talking about us as human beings, but of God that has mercy. All right? So that is the way it works for everybody that will ever come into this world. Some will receive mercy from God to the point where that mercy will lead to their salvation and other, others will not receive that mercy and they will be uh, subject to God's justice like Pharaoh was way back in the book of Exodus and you do well to uh, read about the, about the uh, encounter with God and Pharaoh and how God raised up Pharaoh so that he could manifest his power before Pharaoh and declare his name throughout the earth why did God do that with Pharaoh? He didn't raise up Pharaoh to save him. He, he raised up Pharaoh so that Pharaoh could be um, condemned, that he, could, that he could be destroyed because Pharaoh was an evil man. I mean, just like I said in the beginning, nobody deserves God's kindness. God, we all deserve his, his destruction. We all deserve his condemnation. We all deserve to go to hell. And Pharaoh definitely was a person that deserved to go to hell and did go to hell because God raised him up to show his power uh, in Pharaoh and that his name could be declared through all the earth. Now, why would God say that? Because God was intent on glorifying his name through the wicked man, Pharaoh. Now, understand this. When you read the account in the book of Exodus, when it's dealing with the plagues, every time God um, exhibits a, you know, his power through Moses and Aaron with plagues, that is an opportunity for Pharaoh to repent. But did, but did he do it? He did not, which justifies God destroying him and executing his wrath on him. Pharaoh did not go to heaven. He went to hell because that's where he deserved to go. And that was the purpose why God raised him up so that he could show his power through him and condemn him and destroy him. Hard word. I understand that. Difficult. We don't, you know, you usually don't hear people talk about God in those type of ways that God is a God of anger and a God of wrath. But he is when he needs to be. So that's all I'm going to say in regards to reprobation. It's a difficult doctrine. It's not one that um, can be received very easily, and I don't expect you to receive it in the way that I presented it. But what I would do for those of you who are serious about looking at this doctrine further, there are some resources that I would recommend to you. Uh, one is um, called uh, Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. It is a very large, hardcover book, and it talks about all the major doctrines of the Christian faith and it talks about election and, and reprobation side by side I would also uh, submit to you for your consideration is a series I think it's a 10 part series by John MacArthur called The Doctrines of Grace and you can find that on his website at gty.org I would also recommend to you a book called The Doctrines of Grace by James Montgomery Boyce and Philip Riken. I'm reading that book right now. It's very insightful. And I and I just read a, finished another one called What's So Great About the Doctrines of Faith 
or Doctrines of Grace, excuse me, and I think it was by a person by the name of Phillips. I'm not sure if it was George Phillips or Roger Phillips, but look for that one as well. And there are many other resources that talk about uh, God's uh, sovereignty and election and his sovereignty and, um, and reprobation. You also want to take a look at um, Divine Election by uh, R.C. Sproul. Uh, he um, has passed away, but his um, website is called Ligonier.org. That's spelled L-I-G-O-N-I-E-R.org. Ligonier.org. He also has a um, like an online academy or a resource or teaching center. It's called uh, a Ligonier Connect as well. So those are some resources that. If you're interested, you can look at this further. For if you want to deepen your knowledge about these um, these these doctrines, which are wonderful, but are also very very um, mind challenging, admittedly. This is Brother Dale signing off of Gospel Repentance Ministries. I'll check you on the next episode. God bless.